And here we go, folks. It is December the 17th, 2009, and you are listening to tonight's edition of the Liberty Hour program heard on this fine podcasting network, thelibertyhour.podbean.com. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. As I said, it is December the 17th, which means there's only about two weeks left of shopping to do. Not that we have any money to spend anyway, but... uh, Nevertheless, we want to wish all of you out there a, uh, a good Christmas season. Uh, and um, actually, it's good to be poor uh, these days, ladies and gentlemen, because it makes you remember what Christmas is really all about. It's not about going out and spending your money on a bunch of junk that is going to wind up in the trash bin probably a year from now anyway. It's, it's just appreciating your, your family and your friends and uh, what is left of our country. And speaking of that... I am joined, as usual, by my good friend, uh, my co-host, my comrade-in-arms, Phil Turney, survivor of Israel's deliberate and premeditated attack upon his ship, the USS Liberty, 42 years ago this past June the 8th. Phil Turney, are you with us? Uh, yes, I am, Mark. Thank you very much for, uh, you know, uh, being back on the air with you again. It's always a, it's always a pleasure, and uh, we're always so lucky to have uh, so many great guests. It's just an honor to do the show and, uh, you know, remember the uh, crew of the USS Liberty. And uh, it's just uh, kind of highlighted my day, Mark, and I certainly appreciate it. Well, it goes both ways. Well, Phil, uh, we have lots of reasons to be appreciative tonight because we have with us a very special guest. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I first ran into this individual uh, back in the early days of when I was just starting to cut my teeth on this issue of uh, Zionism and Israel and what was happening to our country and whatnot. And I remember running into this man's works on the internet, and I remember thinking to myself, who is this guy? He is, he's got to be one of the smartest and one of the gutsiest guys I've run into, uh, simply because of the fact that he would go outside of these churches, these Christian churches, uh, where they, uh, you know, they were in support of the war in Iraq and whatnot, and he would go outside and he would pick at these churches as a Christian, ladies and gentlemen. As a Christian, he would go out and pick at these churches. And I thought, man, this guy has got more guts than a hog. And so I, um, it wasn't too much longer after that that I, I contacted this man and I said, I just want to express my appreciation as a Christian for what you're doing because... As a Christian, I am deeply troubled by what I see and and even more troubled by the fact that the bulk of this country's Christians are in support of this thing that cannot be characterized as anything other than utterly ungodly. And of course, we're talking about the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're being fought for the benefit not of the United States, not for American interests, but for the interests of a foreign power. That man, ladies and gentlemen is Chuck Carlson. He's been on this program a few times already uh, when Phil and I were on another network. Um, and he is with us again tonight. He is the, I guess you would call him the commissar of the website We Hold These Truths, which you can find at whtt.org. And if those, if those four words uh, mean anything, if they, if they spark some kind of recognition, in your mind, ladies and gentlemen, we hold these truths. Those are the opening words to this country, our country's Declaration of Independence, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? And so without any further ado, I want to go ahead and bring up 
my very good friend Chuck Carlson. Chuck, come on up. I'm here, uh, Mark, and I'm glad to be called your friend and uh, pleased to be on with you and your and your audience. And uh, we've now done well over 60 of these vigils. We call them vigils or interventions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to be careful. Sometimes we call them vigils. People think that we're joining the church, but actually, uh, we are. We are kind of careful about our language. Careful about how we do this. But we have uh, we have cut a swath through the big churches, and I'm talking about great big, uh, big ones like John Hagee's uh, church in uh, in uh, Texas, in San Antonio, where we've been, and. And, uh, and, uh, and at least a half a dozen of the events that he sponsored around the country in various places, including Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, we're happy to be on with you. Well, Chuck, why don't you give us just a quick rundown how you got involved in all of this business. You and I have talked about this before. And, uh, you know, you didn't start off uh, with the kinds of opinions that you have now. I mean... Uh, like most of us in this country, we we started off believing that it's the duty of Christians to support Israel, and and you know this is God's handiwork, and all of the rest of this stuff. And then you took a uh, a detour when it came to certain issues. And uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell people about that? Okay. Well, uh, th- this organization started out as an outgrowth of uh, of a uh, a movement that I guess would would have been classified as a uh, as a, 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 a conservative Republican sort of a, a point of view. Uh, and uh, however, I became involved in the pro-life movement, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I am pro-life. I'm, I'm for all life, mm-hmm. all human life. And um, I'm against people who are not for all human life. Mm-hmm. And so someplace along the line, I took a fork in the road, and I found out that my church was supporting the upcoming bombing of Iraq the first time, way back in 1990. This is now quite a a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I ended up writing to the deacons in my church. I was a deacon. And uh, and by the way, this is an evangelical church, which would now be classified as part of the Christian right or Christian Zionist, even a Christian Zionist church, Mm -hmm. a Southern Baptist church. And uh, I I was puzzled why my church would not stand for... uh, why my church did, said they stood for life, they were pro-life, but they would not stand against this upcoming war, which clearly was going to kill a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. And as I wrote in my first little paper, it's even going to kill some of our people. Mm-hmm. We're going to kill a lot more of theirs, but, but this is even going to kill some Americans. Why are we for this? Uh, I found out later that it had to do with the theology that was uh, under the surface in the Baptist church that basically said that anything that the state of Israel wants, you need to be for. Mm -hmm. And if it's good for the state of Israel, it's good for you. And therefore, this war was favored by the state of Israel, and so the Southern Baptist Convention was supporting the bombing of Iraq. And had we not done that, uh, had the churches not done that, I doubt if we would have ever bombed Iraq the first time, say nothing about the second time, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't be threatening to bomb uh, Iran. And uh, so this is the history. Uh, a few years later, we started We Hold These Truths, and then we started later Project Straight Gate uh, as a protest against churches that don't stand for life, and especially churches that, and we focus, of course, on the churches that are now promoting the serial wars that were wrapped up in all over the globe that are getting bigger and bigger and worse 
and would not even exist if our churches did their job and stood up for for righteousness and for life. Absolutely. Well, Chuck, let's visit that a little bit. Let's visit this this theological mutation, uh, if we can call it that, uh, known as Christian Zionism. You know, uh, I was surprised to find out as I again started peeling away the layers of this onion that you know it wasn't always this way that this is a relatively uh, new phenomenon in the, in the 2000 years of what we would call the Christian era this idea that Christians are supposed to support the state of Israel and they're supposed to you know basically lay the red carpet out for the Jews and to give them carte blanche to do whatever they want uh, this is a relatively new phenomenon why don't you talk about that a little bit uh, and lay out the history of this thing okay uh, well, someone has accurately said that Christian Zionism, or let's let's say what we would have once called Judeo-Christianity, because Christian Zionism is a brand new word. We we sort of coined that word ourselves to find a way to focus on these churches that were so so pro-Israel that they actually could be called Christian Zionists. This is the really radical ones, uh, but there couldn't have been any. Christian Zionism before 1948 because there was no state of Israel. So it's got, it can't be older than 60 years old. Mm-hmm. In fact, the religion called Christian Zionism, which you could date, date it back a little further, uh, is about 100 year, 150 years old and goes back to about 1850, uh, where it is an outgrowth of something that, uh, that was a kind of flourished in England called... Uh, called Darbyism by John Nelson Darby, mm-hmm. and it took root in the United States through a man named Cyrus I. Schofield. And Schofield became a writer of a Bible, and that very famous Bible is still sold today in thousands of Bible shops, and it's, it's still carried around by uh, by the Christian right leadership, such as John Hagee. They worship the, uh, the Bible that was written back then. Uh, someone said that uh, the, the Schofield Bible was the best Bible that the state of Israel could have written. <laughs> and we actually do believe that, that the guy who said that is right. Mm-hmm. In other words, there was no state of Israel when the Schofield Bible was written, but we think that the Zionist movement already knew that they were going to need to deal with Christians in America, mm-hmm. and they needed a religion that would, that, that would allow, allow them to capture the support of Christians in America, and we believe that they actually instigated the writing of the Schofield Reference Bible back in about 1908 uh, by this man, Cyrus I. Schofield. We have a lot of evidence, circumstantial evidence, to show that. Whether it's absolutely true that the, that the Zionists wrote the Bible or not, or, just, or whether they paid Schofield to do it or not, we'll never know for sure. But we do know that what he did was exactly what the state of Israel would have wanted done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's done through this Bible. And, and it basically, the, 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 the Zionist Bible, the, uh, the Schofield Reference Bible, essentially has footnotes in it mm-hmm. that, that place the state of Israel in the Bible, even though it never was there in historic times. Now, I'm, not, I'm talking about the present political state of Israel. So it politicalized the Christian Bible to create uh, a, a sort of a deity mm-hmm. in the state of Israel, something that Christians are supposed to worship as almost being on the same footing, on the same basis as Jesus himself. Well, they do. I mean, and I know you know this, Chuck. Uh, you know, 
having dealt with them firsthand on many occasions, you cannot reason with them. I mean, literally, it it is it, it is like trying to talk a drunk out of his uh, out of his whiskey. You you cannot pry it from you cannot pry it out of their hands. And I've 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 done everything. I've I've reasoned with them. I've I've used scripture. I've even said, look, you know, when Jesus was predicting the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And uh, he said that it would it would take place in such a way that not one stone would be left upon the other. He was talking about total destruction. And then he followed this up, you know, by you know when he wept over Jerusalem and he said, you know, you will not see me again until you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." You know, he set conditions upon these things. Okay, uh, and yet using these things, they'll always point back to Isaiah and and some of these other books that supposedly foreshadow this return of the Jews to the promised land when we know for a fact that, that these these various predictions, they had already taken place before Jesus was even born. Um, and yet you cannot pry it away from them. It's, it, is, it is one of the more maddening things that I've ever dealt with in my life. And, you know, it doesn't matter. You can show them a thousand pictures of these children, right, being blown to bits their their guts literally uh, splattered all over the place, and even point out that some of these kids are Christians, and it doesn't matter. The whole time you're doing it, they're simply shaking their heads side to side. Nope, nope, nope. This is what God wants. This is what God wants. You know, I don't know how you deal with it. I I can only withstand about three minutes of it before I've got to take a walk. Uh, well, and yet you've been doing this for quite a while. We started we started this uh, six years ago before the first bomb fell in Iraq for the second time. I mean, the first the first bomb first bombing in Iraq was in 1991, but the second bombing of Iraq was in is 2003, and, and we started before that. Uh, but but we find that what what we do is and I want to second what you're saying. Uh, it's it's absolutely true. It's it's very difficult to deal with our wives, our children, our cousins, our brothers, our boss, whoever has been inculcated with this Christian Zionist false Christianity, and that's really what it is. Uh, are our victims themselves, and they have had their minds bent to the point where they are extremely difficult to change. And really, our effort is not to change them. Our effort is to find the people within these churches that we go to who were like I was when I was going to those churches. I was there. Uh, I was well-known. I was respected in the church. I had positions. I taught in the Sunday school classes. But the, the, the notions that were being taught did not, uh, did not take with me because it didn't, the logic of it was not there. So what I did is I allowed it. I allowed it to, to, to. I allowed myself to accept it, but I really didn't believe it. I really didn't. Didn't it? Didn't make sense to me. And the majority of people in Christian Zionist churches are that way. They're there for the society of it. Mm -hmm. They're there because it's good for their children. They're there because they like uh, what's going on there, uh, and and it's a societal thing to them that they think is healthy. Uh, but. Uh, they can be changed. They they can see what the difference between right and wrong. So, for this is very fortunate, uh, Mark, <coughs> that a lot of people in the churches can see what's what's uh, the, what's wrong, okay. and they they're and they're capable of changing. And we need to change them 
because if we don't get back our churches, mm-hmm. we are not going to stop the, the, the runaway of government power that's focused around this. And uh, world Zionism is using this to carry out the serial wars that we're wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, until, we, until we reach in and break up the uh, movement of Christian Zionism, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Chuck, i got a couple questions for you. Phil okay. here. Uh, first of all, uh, Chuck, in uh, 1967, uh, and I believe that that our fate was sealed probably several years before that, and uh, the leaders of, of this uh, Christian nation uh, that that uh, let this murder go on by the government of Israel on uh, helpless sailors and Marines on the high seas. Uh, I don't think they uh, gave a heck about the Bible. I think they gave a heck about the position in life, money, power, whatever it may be. So when you get these type of people that have control, and almost complete control uh, over uh, churches and, uh, and uh, synagogues, if you may, Muslim uh, uh uh, beliefs. Uh, it's not just a synchronized course uh, that, in, in, in my belief, that it is, uh, you can take it and make it all right from the church. I, I think that the government is pushing that back. And my second, my second question is, is to you, is that, uh, what kind of hostilities uh, have you encountered by Christians who uh, don't buy into your your version or your story or your belief, uh, Chuck? And and how hard has it been on you as a man of God, a man that believes in his uh, faith, and and uh, will get out there and uh, do it and not just talk about it? Well, well, thanks for saying that, Phil. Um... Yes, there is a huge power structure out there that it goes way beyond, and the people that are running this don't care about Christianity. Uh, Christian Zionism is, is or, or let's just say Judeo-Christianity, because anything that combines Judaism with Christianity in any way is, is false. There is, no, mm-hmm. there is no common ground between Christianity and Judaism in terms of, what, of belief. That doesn't mean you can't have Jewish friends. But you don't believe the same thing, and if you try to say you do, then you're then that's an error. Uh, the uh, the hostility that we find uh, comes from people just like uh, like Mark described, people who are who are committed to these ideas, and they don't want to talk to us. They want to they want to get away from us because they have no argument for what we say. They're, they they basically cannot deal on any logical plane, and they can't even deal on a scriptural plane. Mm-hmm. The, the Christian Zionists will never talk to you about scripture. They want to talk to you about how bad, how bad uh, Saddam Hussein was, mm-hmm. or that Muslims, are, Muslims are, are by nature bad. They'll want to make those kind of arguments, uh, but they, they don't want to ever engage in talk about what Jesus said, because... Mm-hmm. There is absolutely nothing in the New Testament that supports the idea of Christian Zionism. There's nothing they can find at all that they can, they can not, a, not a line or a word that they can turn up that supports their position. Uh, 
Christian Zionism is a false religion invented for a political purpose and sold to a whole vast number of, of people that may encompass as many as uh, somewhere between 40 and 70 or 80 million people who've been influenced by it. Uh, most of them don't really believe it, but they've been influenced. And, in this country, in this country, Chuck, in this country in alone, and and as far as as the hostility of these people toward us, we we enjoy it. It is it is so much fun to go out and and see that that the people we're coming up against can't even begin to argue with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, calling names is all they can really do. Do they ever get uh, physical with you, Chuck? Oh, we're very careful. We we know how to do these vigils. We've learned in a lot of ways. Yes. We've had leaders of churches like John MacArthur, a very famous leader of a church. Uh, his church has repeatedly attempted to get our people arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we never let our people go alone any place. We always stay in pairs. Uh, we keep cameras around. We watch over each other. There have been minor things, but we also use the police a lot, and we find that the police are very supportive. Uh, the police don't like these big churches. They sense that they don't pay taxes. They sense that they are a kind of a leech on the community. Really, and and we oftentimes uh, find uh, if we if we if we handle ourselves properly and 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 are careful, we find that we have extremely uh, good uh, help and support from police who watch over us. They 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 protect us and make mm-hmm. sure nobody does anything. Hmm. So uh, we, we've learned how to do those things in carrying out these these actions. But I want to say something a lot more important than that. We see a crumbling of the Christian Zionist movement right now at the very top. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people like John Hagee, who, who puts on these Night to Honor Israel uh, programs all over the country. We've we've done vigils of two of his programs in the last two months here that happen to be here in Arizona in the big town of Phoenix. And uh, the last one was a pastor's conference, and nobody came. They invited all these pastors, and they uh, they invited hundreds and hundreds, thousands probably, of pastors. Uh, they put on a free lunch. Uh, they did everything they could to attract these people. We went there, and we almost had the pastors out who came outnumbered. Uh, people are stopping. They're embarrassed by this. Uh, they're embarrassed, especially uh, some of the uh, more intelligent pastors. They're just uh, no longer falling for this false idea of Christian Zionism. So we think it's already crumbling right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see changes that are going to happen in the Christian Zionist movement because it's basically owned by the state of Israel. So the state of Israel is not going to take this lying down. They're going to find new leadership. And I, we, we would say that in, in, in coming year, we'll, we would estimate that John Hagee will not even be a part of it. He'll be gone. People like Rod Parsley and another of these leaders will disappear, and they'll be replaced by more moderate-acting people hmm. who will still be supporting Israel. Interesting. But, that, that's yeah, very, but we, very we think in our observation is it's on a downhill slide. Uh, two years ago, uh, John Hagee and the Christians United for Israel rented the Symphony Hall in Phoenix, Arizona. It holds 2,500 people, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I believe it was packed. I, they, they were able to give $50,000 to a local Jewish charity. Uh, we, we did a vigil at that church, and we thought it was extremely effective. And two years later, they came back, and, and we waited for the crowd to arrive this year, and they didn't come. 
So, uh, so we see this, this happening, that Christian Zionism is losing its momentum, and there's only one reason for that. It isn't because of us. It's because God is all-powerful, and God's plan is already there, and uh, if, in, in Christian Zionism is not part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. It's a false effort that has, written, that has thrown itself up there that's, that's basically going to destroy itself. We're not going to destroy it. It's destroying itself because it's false. Well, you know, the way that I liken it, Chuck, it's, uh, it's like people who go to a football game. And, uh, you know, they act rowdy. They, they, you know, they kind of lose themselves in the moment. Uh, that they, they wouldn't normally act this way. But, you know, I mean, their team is winning, and so they're, you know, they're jumping up and they're, uh, hollering and they're just really it, it is something of a of a herd mentality but you know it can only go on so long eventually you know you, you just want to leave the game and you want to go home and go back to your quiet ordinary life and, and leave the screaming behind and I think that that is at least a possible explanation as to why if indeed this is taking place as you're saying and I have no reason to doubt you on this that that it's losing its luster uh, with a lot of people and I think you know, with the war going on the way that it is and the fact that people are going broke because of it, and let's face it, you know, uh, the way that Hagee and these guys have been have been uh, predicting things, you know, we're supposed to all get taken up into the sky and, and all of these things that are supposed to have taken place already haven't yet. And so... Hey, How hey, many raptures can you miss exactly. before start catching on? Exactly. And so, um, you know, this is it's just like any novelty. You know, it's... It's, it's here today, and then it's gone tomorrow. And, you know, I, I predicted this years ago uh, in something that I had written. I said, you know, the state of Israel and her supporters, who, have, who I agree with you, they have basically, they have created this religion known as Christian Zionism. Um, you know, they're, they're playing with fire by doing that because, you know, eventually these Christians, whose love affair with the Jewish people and with the Jewish state is not grounded in what we would consider or call like an, an organic sense of affection, okay? It's it, again, it's more like this this rowdiness that you see at the football game, uh, and when but, it when it does fade, you know, these people uh, they're gonna they're gonna turn on you, especially if if their life has not been improved be, uh, out of their loyalty to you as a result of their loyalty to you, and in fact, if if their life the quality of their life has gone down, and if this can be attributed to you, meaning you being the Jewish people, then they're going to turn on you, and I predict that that is going to happen. Well, we agree, and and we said so ourselves, and and we've written about that, and 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 also, by the way, some of this is visible in things that you can see. For instance, John McCain, who ran for president, was desperately trying to get the support of the Christian right. Uh, he he allowed himself to be allied with John Hagee and Rod Parsley, two of the worst of these Christian Zionists. And and you, if you remember back in the election, he quickly had to abandon them because right. he realized that they were pariahs, mm-hmm. and that more people think they're buffoons and fools and liars than than really believe in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an this was an indication that even the the, the crass politicians are seeing through the leadership of the of the, the very vile leadership of the christian of the uh, of the uh, christian the christian right movement the judeo christian movement and this is happening i wanted to 
uh, also make a comment on, on something uh, Phil said. Phil brought up 1967, the infamous destruction of the Liberty, the bombing of the Liberty, killing of all those people. In, in, in the same year, in 1967, Oxford University Press rewrote the Schofield Reference Bible. It wasn't strong enough in the language that was in it. And they wrote into it a section that said anti-Semitism is a sin. They put that in, in the footnotes on page 19 of their 1967 edition. They were so supportive of it. They put in the same footnotes that the land, that God gave the land of Israel to the, uh, God gave the land of the Palestinians to the Israelis. Mm -hmm. That God gave all the land to the Israelis. They put that as a footnote in 1967 into the Bible. And they put in it also that that if a if a country if a country uh, failed to bless the state of Israel, that that country would be cursed. Mm -hmm. Those were footnotes they actually wrote in in 1967, the same year that they bombed the the, the USS Liberty. So you see the coordination of this movement, where Oxford University Press is actually rewriting the Bible, Christian Jews putting in it that. They must not be anti-Semitic. They need to love the state of Israel, even as it bombs the USS Liberty. Mm -hmm. Same here. Hey, you know, Chuck, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. But, you know, with, with that thought being in mind, uh, well, the United States of America is uh, uh, bought and paid for and owned by uh, the state of Israel. Uh, uh, that's my belief. And I have one other question. You know, the, the, street, the street corner... Uh, preacher of all times is Billy Graham. He's a very old man now, and I know his son is taking up his uh, ministry. And, you know, I, I never really could put my finger on Billy Graham if he was uh, pro-Zionist, pro-Israel, pro-American, pro-Jesus Christ. Can, can you help me out with that, well, Chuck, Mark? Billy Graham has not technically fallen into... The, the, the position of being a raving Christian Zionist. He's never joined the, 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 the Jerry Falwells and the Pat Robertsons, uh -huh. and the Hagees and those people. He's basically stuck to being an evangel evangelist, but he is absolutely dependent upon the evangelical churches and their idea of, of, of an easy salvation as, uh, his, uh, as his marketing method. And so he has been intimately associated with all these organizations over the years. And because he was sort of a moderate Zionist who didn't really spout the, the line, uh, but sort of stuck to his job, he was the guy who was invited to the White House to endorse all the wars. Mm -hmm. So when the Korean War started, he was invited to the White House, and he blessed uh, America and blessed our knee. The Vietnamese War, the same story, on through the Cold War and so on. Billy Graham has been used by the Zionist movement all his life, even though he never really, uh, and I'm glad you really brought his name up because it's so important uh, for people who are following us and trying to be involved in what we're in to realize that the leadership of the Zionist movement is going to change, and there's going to be more moderate people who step in. And, and some of them uh, may be... Uh, people who are more like Billy Graham or John MacArthur or Rick Warrens or James mm -hmm. Dobson, mm -hmm. you see, or a, or a very silent figure called Douglas Cole or Chuck Colson, a man who sounds like me, mm -hmm. whose name sounds like mine. Uh, 
but he doesn't have uh, an R in it. Um, these are the kind of people who are very respectable Christian leaders who uh, never criticize Israel. They, they never say anything bad about Israel. They never criticize war. If asked to uh, uh, endorse war, they'll step up and say, yes, we need to do this. Mm -hmm. You see? So they're pragmatists. These are the kind of people we're going to have at the leadership of the Christian Zionist movement in the future. Mm -hmm. as, as, the, as the maniacs like John Hagee are thrust under the, are, are, are rejected mm -hmm. by people so broadly that they turn in another direction. So our job is not ending when we get rid of the Hagees and, and, uh, and Pat Robertsons and these people who, who, are, who are so obvious, you know, and come right out and, and cheer when Israel bombs someone. Uh, yeah, or 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 they uh, or or they uh, uh, crucify somebody on the cross, uh, our Savior Jesus Christ, lie about him, cheat about him, throw rocks at him, uh, and, uh, and make his life uh, uh, one of the most ungodly deaths in the world. Mm -hmm. But he's back, ladies and gentlemen. I know he's back because we're on the radio show here with two great people. Uh, <laughs> And I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that this is a great show, and I'm very interested in it. And uh, I tell you what, uh, paybacks are, you know, what it be. And uh, our day is coming. Our day is coming. Well, God's day is coming, and uh, so we just have to have confidence in that. And that's really what keeps us going is that uh, is that we we know that somehow it's going to work out. And I think you have to just take that position that you're trying to do. You're doing the right thing. You do what's right. Believe me, Christian Zionism is false in every way. It's most uh, false uh, in terms of its of the religion, the, the religion that it teaches. It's, it's a faithless belief in the state of Israel. Christian Zionists believe that the modern state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and uh, I mean Christian Zionists believe that. Christians believe that the Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and nobody else. Nobody. Just Jesus Christ. See, Chuck, where, I would, where I would disagree with you on that, I do believe that Israel, as she exists today, is the fulfillment of uh, biblical prophecy that you can read about in the book <laughs> okay, of Revelation, chapter 13. Well, it's also, the, uh, it's also the result of the prophecy of Jesus, who said that, uh, that, the, that the temple would be torn down and destroyed forever. That that to that to that part I agree that Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple. Yeah, but I mean, as far as the beast that uh, that forces the entire world to worship it, and uh, you know, oh, okay. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, oh, whenever okay. when I can remember having this uh, discussion with this one time uh, with this fellow, and he's saying, "But it's in the Bible," and I said, "Yeah, I know, it's in the Bible." Did you ever read that particular passage where it says that it, it's going to take over the entire world and it's going to it's going to persecute all of the uh, good people in the world and if you don't uh, bow down and, and worship this thing that you're going to be killed? Guess what? You're one of the worshippers of the beast. Mm. Well, okay. Uh, New Testament prophecy is uh, is. Um, Something that that we that we don't um, attempt to uh, say that we can unravel entirely, and I frankly don't know mm -hmm. uh, the, the, who the beast of, of Revelations is. But uh, there's been a lot of thoughts that when Jesus talked about the destruction of um, 
of uh, of uh, the temple mm-hmm. uh, that he was thinking about the Romans and uh, who did destroy the temple in mm-hmm. 70 A.D. Yep, and uh, and uh, a lot of people think that the, that the the beast of Revelations uh, was the 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 the, the coming uh, destruction of the state of Israel that occurred in 70 A.D. So. Mark, it could be. I mean, I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> well, it it sure works when I'm arguing with them because all of a sudden, they, all of a sudden they go, "Oh my gosh, maybe uh, yeah. he he might have a point there." Uh, Chuck, I want to ask you one more question because I can remember uh, one of the first, actually the first time I ever laid eyes on you was a video that you'd sent me personally that you had done on this topic of Christian Zionism, and in this video you had included. Uh, video footage that you had that you had actually taken personally when you were in Gaza, yeah. and you showed in this video a uh, a rocket strike that took place in the middle of the night. Uh, helicopter, I think they were Apaches or something like that. Yep, they were. Um, now sure. I want to ask you this question because uh, you know this is this is one of my my big pet peeves, if you want to call it that, which is this business of bashing the Muslims and bashing Islam. Now, you and I were, uh, last year, we were out in a conference uh, out in Maryland. Uh, it was an Islamic conference, and, um, uh, you know, we caught a lot of hell, both from the ADL for being there and from some of our own people, quote-unquote our own people, who said that we have no business associating with the Muslims. Now, you have literally rubbed elbows with them, as I have, in a very close and intimate way. You were in Gaza. Uh, I don't think they chopped your head off while you were there, right? No, and I was completely vulnerable because I was there all by myself. Yeah, they didn't force you to convert to Islam. Uh, Hamas didn't. uh, So what do you have to say to those out there who say, you know, that the Muslims are this and the Muslims are that, and and Christians don't have any business associating with them, and we can win this fight all, all on our own? What do you have to say about that? Well, I think Jesus would have said exactly the opposite. I think, uh, number one, if, if you want to just take a look at it from a Christian perspective, I thought we were supposed to convert people. And uh, and so if we're, if, if we're ever going to uh, offer uh, Christianity to, to Islamic, to mu- the Muslims, we have to at least be willing to associate with them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think Jesus would have shunned anybody if he, were, if he was here today. I think that, well, it's clear, he, he, he basically said you don't shun anybody. So the people, that, so the Christians who are dodging, associating with Muslims, are just putting their head in the sand, mm-hmm. and they're, they're and they're actually ignoring Christ's very words. What about go out and go out and and how about the idea of bombing them? What can how do you how do you justify bombing them when you're killing women and children? Absolutely, you know anybody today that that says, well, the Muslims they hate Christians, blah blah blah, and I say, listen, if if somebody dropped bombs on my homeland killed my countrymen, my, my family members, whatnot, for 60 years, I would despise them, too. And, uh, and I, I'm amazed that, that in Gaza, one of the most uh, Islamic places in the world, where 95% or 99% Muslim, and a lot of them are nominal, uh, and there's, there are Christians living there. Mm-hmm. The Christians I knew lived there without fear. They had no fear of Absolutely. Muslims. They only had fear of the Israelis. Mm-hmm. And when the, when the bombing took place in the middle of the night, the bombs did not come from uh, radical Muslims. They, 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 those bombs came from Israeli, 
Israelis flying American um, massive weapons of mass destruction, Apache helicopters, mm -hmm. firing 120-pound rockets into people's houses mm -hmm. uh, at night. So, uh, so uh, the, the the people I knew over there who went to the Baptist church, there's a Baptist church in Gaza City, it's still there, the people that go there don't go there in fear. They walk down the street, the main street, right past the big Islamic center, and they walk into the Baptist church and attend. Mm -hmm. uh, they were not afraid. They were not afraid to invite me, and I wasn't afraid to go because they told me, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. These people are nice. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and, that's been my experience, too. Um, I, uh, I, I, this, this day and age, I would rather uh, befriend Muslims than the average Christian because the average Christian at least in this country, does not have a soul and does does not have any awareness when it comes to this this thing that is taking place right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I will proudly say it, that some of my closest friends uh, are Muslims, and uh, I have no problem being around them. I have no problem with my wife and kids being around them. And uh, I don't have to worry about uh, my kids hearing any four-letter words or hearing any dirty jokes. I no, they won't be. They won't. No one's. They're not going to give you buy any drugs. No, none of that. They won't be scandalized. They're not going to be, not gonna be split up a six pack with Muslims. They're they're not going to be physically seduced by Muslims. Mm -hmm. the, the people live a live a, a lifestyle that's uh, that's very much like uh, we would like Christians should would would, would uh, we use, like we used to like we used to. Yeah, like we used to. Uh, um, so we don't. We, we we have no. This does not mean our religion is is the same as or 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 is a common has a common It doesn't have a common denominator, except of course that uh, most Muslims do. Muslims all believe that Jesus lived. Mm -hmm. uh, Israelis don't believe Jesus lived. Mm -hmm. Or if he did live, they believe he was something other than what we say he was. Uh, but most most Jews simply don't believe Jesus even lived. Uh, Muslims do. Uh, there's there's uh, fifty or sixty verses in the Quran that mention Jesus. So mm -hmm. Jesus is actually Christianity was part of the history of, of Islam, of course. Uh, Chuck, we're going to be winding it up here in just a minute. Uh, why don't you give the folks out there some information how they can get hold of you, that they can uh, support your ministry? Because I I definitely consider the work that you're doing, Chuck, to be some of the most invaluable work that is taking place out there? Well, okay, yes, we, we, we want people to form little organizations and groups and, um, and, and go public about how you feel about Christian Zionism or Judeo-Christianity. Uh, we need to act like it's wrong. Uh, if, if a thing is wrong, we, you have to act like it's wrong. And it's not good enough to talk like it's wrong or to write letters to the editor. But, but to go out there with a few people and stand in front of a great, big, enormous church that's, 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 uh, uh, that's uh, destroying uh, or helping to, uh, to help, helping to destroy people in another country by war or that is distorting Christ's words mm -hmm. uh, is something that deserves to be challenged. And your little challenge at those churches, uh, we call this Project Straight Gate. And if you go to our website, uh, you can find out how we do these vigils. And they're easy and they're fun, and we do them. We've done lots of them. Mm -hmm. uh, two or three people can get together and form a, a little unit, and we, uh, we help you do it. And uh, so... 
uh, we, we now have other units starting up and, uh, and doing this other places, and we're even hearing about other people who are doing it without us. So uh, this, this is one way that you can, of course, help in our efforts. Go to our website, which is, of course, uh, whtt.org, uh, whtt.org, and, uh, and read about our project, Straight Gate, and what we do. Read our articles there and uh, see if you'd like to find some way to be part of our effort. And I understand you also do a weekly television program on RBN. Is that correct, Chuck? Uh, yeah, I do a uh, well, I do a guest appearance with Robbie Noel mm-hmm. on RBN uh, every Wednesday. Okay, and that's at uh, uh, I guess it's now six o'clock. Uh, it's uh, five p.m. Uh, uh, before uh, before p.m. Central Time. Okay, four p.m. Central. Okay, yeah, six p.m. Pacific Time, and uh, and we also do a Bible study on our own site, which is the whtt.org site. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a Tuesday night Bible study that you can listen in on if you'd like. Okay. So, uh, and we have a mailing list, and uh, we send books and, and tapes and videos, and uh, some of them are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, I can certainly attest to that, and uh, as, I, uh, as I've told people before, uh, Chuck Carlson was the very first person to ever buy one of my books, and I remember <laughs> the day that I came home from the post office and I said, Honey, look, look, somebody somebody bought uh, one of my books. And she said, Well, how much? I said, Well, $10. She said, Great, you only need to come up with another $990 now to come up uh, with the cost that it, uh, that it took to, to have them all printed. So, I can only bring you back to Earth, can't they? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Phil Turney, you're still with us, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, enjoying the show and uh, just uh, kind of listening in. And I really appreciate Chuck coming on, Mark, and, and you guys uh, have got a great bond. Uh, you can just hear your voices, and it's, it's just uh, it's amazing, and uh, I'm very, very proud to be part of this show, and I'm glad the USS Liberty Hour uh, uh, has, has uh, got the uh, guts and the power to bring the, this type of information out to the uh, people that maybe don't know about it, but uh, let's remember... Uh, folks, uh, the USS Liberty, the crew of the USS Liberty, and more than that, let's remember the little ones. And if if we can't save them, folks, uh, if we don't try to save them, a shame on us. So let's let's just keep on going, and God bless this show. God bless you, Mark. God bless you, Chuck. And I'm glad I'm alive uh, today. I might not be tomorrow, but I'll I'll be here next week, uh, God willing. Chuck, cannot thank you enough for coming on, buddy. Uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, please come on again sometime soon. Okay. Uh, Yes, there's a lot more to talk about, and I uh, appreciate you asking me on, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Anytime. Believe me, it's an honor for me as well. 